A quick note before we go into today's poem. Uh, there's some racism in this poem. And that doesn't make it okay. Racism is never okay. But that's uh, just what's there. Um, it was the way this particular set of people were talked about at the time. I do not condone that. But to edit it out or to give it a nicer, a nicer uh, phrasing would be disingenuous and would not do a service to anything. So just bear that in mind as we go. Growl Tiger's Last Stand by T.S. Eliot. Growl Tiger was a bravo cat who traveled on a barge. In fact, he was the roughest cat that ever roamed at large. From Gravesend up to Oxford, he pursued his evil aims, rejoicing in his title of the Terror of the Thames. His manner and appearance did not calculate to please. His coat was torn and seedy, he was baggy at the knees. One ear was somewhat missing, no need to tell you why, and he scowled upon a hostile world from one forbidding eye. The cottagers of Rotherhithe knew something of his fame. At Hammersmith and Putney, people shuddered at his name. They would fortify the henhouse, lock up the silly goose, when the rumor ran along the shore. Growl Tiger's on the loose! Woe to the weak canary that fluttered from its cage. Woe to the pampered Pekingese that faced Growl Tiger's rage. Woe to the bristly bandicoot that lurks on foreign ships. And woe to any cat with whom Growl Tiger came to grips. But most to cats of foreign race his hatred had been vowed. To cats of foreign name and race no quarter was allowed. The Persian and the Siamese regarded him with fear, because it was the Siamese had mauled his missing ear. Now, on a peaceful summer night all nature seemed at play. The tender moon was shining bright, the barge at Mosley lay. All in the balmy moonlight it lay rocking on the tide and Growl Tiger was disposed to show his sentimental side. His bucko-mate Grumbuskin long since had disappeared, for to the bell at Hampton he had gone to wet his beard, and his boatswain, Tumble Brutus, he too had stolen way. In the yard behind the lion he was prowling for his prey. In the forepeak of the vessel, Growl Tiger sat alone, concentrating his attention on the lady Griddlebone, and his raffish crew were sleeping in their barrels and their bunks, as the Siamese came creeping in their sampans and their junks. Growl Tiger had no eye or ear for aught but Grittlebone, and the lady seemed enraptured by his manly baritone, disposed to relaxation and awaiting no surprise, but the moonlight shone reflected from a thousand bright blue eyes. And closer still and closer the sampan circled round, and yet from all the enemy there was not heard a sound. The lovers sang their last duet in danger of their lives, for the foe was armed with toasting forks and cruel carving knives. Then Gilbert gave the signal to his fierce Mongolian horde. With a frightful burst of fireworks, the chinks they swarmed aboard. Abandoning their sampans and their pullaways and junks, they battened down the hatches on the crew within their bunks. Then Grittlebone she gave a screech, for she was badly scared. I am sorry to admit it, but she quickly disappeared. She probably escaped with ease, I'm sure she was not drowned, but a serried ring of flashing steel Growl Tiger did surround. The ruthless foe pressed forward in stubborn rank on rank. 
growled Tiger, to his vast surprise, was forced to walk the plank. He who a hundred victims had driven to that drop, at the end of all his crimes was forced to go kerflip kerflop. Oh, there was joy in whopping when the news flew through the land. At Maidenhead and Henley there was dancing on the strand. Rats were roasted whole at Brentford and at Victoria Dock, and a day of celebration was commanded in Bangkok.